everyone. Welcome to episode 67, 67 of Let's Talk with Scoggs here on Adobe. Thank you for being here. This week, I chat with Rinda Laurel. She is the founder of Very Every Day, a wellness company founded with the mission to help support emotional wellness, mental health, and biochemical recovery by providing all natural solutions through neuronutrition and supplementation. So she and I will get into all of that. This episode was recorded weeks ago. We were in the middle of COVID. We're still in the middle of COVID. But I want to highlight that this happened before the death of George Floyd, before this uprising, this movement. And I personally have taken the past few weeks to learn, read, educate myself so I can be a better ally going forward. And that everybody here at the network completely agrees that Black Lives Matter and um, I've just taken some time away from the show because I haven't had the right language uh, to project how I feel and the power and responsibility that I acknowledge that I have to stand with Black Lives Matter. So if you are looking for more resources, Adobe has a page, but you could also just Google Black Lives Matter and go to their page and see all the ways that you can help educate yourself, support, sign petitions, donations. Um, It's been a crazy year, but I'm even more grateful to have this platform to share with you and to share some of these conversations in the next coming weeks that are all about mental health. I spoke with a bunch of professionals who deal with addiction, some people who have been through trauma and have turned that into creative ideas. And uh, Rinda is an example of someone who was struggling and wasn't finding the right tools to help her get through what she was dealing with. Um, So she created Very Every Day. We also talk about her career in the music industry. She's worked with some incredible names. So it's a really great episode and she was lovely. Um, And again, this was recorded weeks ago, probably a month ago now at this point. So I hope you enjoy and if there's, you know, anything that resonates with you in this episode, please check out her products very every day. Here is episode 67 with Rinda Laurel. Hi, Sarah. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Good morning, afternoon. I don't really know what time it is or day it is, but. <laughs> yes, I know. It's hard to keep track of these days. Um, yes. I'm in Joshua Tree. Oh my gosh. How's that been during all of this to be in Joshua Tree? I mean, it's pretty spectacular considering um, after you can you can go check out my Instagram photos and stuff. It's yeah. like, you know, every night if I want, I just literally walk right outside my door and I'm on a trail that's uh, up against protected land that looks like the park. So oh, I'm very lucky. Beautiful. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very lucky to... I moved here... F- Four years ago, which we can talk about in if, if it it's relevant in sure. the yeah amazing. And where did you uh, where did you grow up? Uh, California. Okay, I'm a California native, born in California, raised in Southern California. Um, I've lived in Orange County, you know, Fullerton. I lived in Hollywood. Uh, I also have lived in New York and Paris. Oh my goodness! Look at you. Yeah, yeah. I'm fifty. Two on Monday. Oh, happy birthday! Thank you. So I've had. I mean, I'm I'm not a spring chicken. I've had definitely. Yeah. A lot. Are we gonna write a book someday? Because it seems like even just living in those cities would warrant a book. 
Um, that's interesting that you would say that. Um, I've been contemplating writing, writing a book for a while, but there are some things that I'm like, do I want to share that? Because I mean, my history, I, I'm in the music industry forever and ever and ever. And I have a lot of stories, a lot of them. <laughs> and, and some of them I'm like, how do I tell that story without sounding like I'm being like a name dropping crazy person? Sure. You know what I mean? Like, sure. But I have these crazy adventures with people like David Bowie and Chucky <laughs> from Public Enemy and like, you know, like yeah. just really funny, bizarre, like things that have happened in my career. Um, along with, you know, some of the, the dark, you know, I've been in recovery from addiction for right. 27 years. So I don't know about that book. It's interesting because, I mean... Adobe has been so lovely to me in letting me do this show and really trusting me to like, do what you want, Sarah, you know, have the conversations you want to have. And I have gotten so much out of meeting people like you and sharing stories and perspectives and lessons learned and how you navigated through things. So if that helps propel you in any way to share what you have absorbed with the rest of us, I have found so much personally through having open conversations and sharing things that are you might have not been comfortable sharing or that it was like a hard nut to crack but then you know you saw the rainbow at the end of all of it so if that helps in any way I would love to learn what you've learned thank you <laughs> yeah I'm very very open yeah. to having open dialogues and yeah. that's why I offered to do this yeah. podcast and I'll do them with like anybody who has any interest in like learning or any of that I'm absolutely open and I will um be very vulnerable and open about addiction and recovery and mental health and what it's like to be a female in an industry for 30 years, oh, yeah. all of that. I'm very open to discussion. It's when it gets down to like writing an actual book and putting the book out there that I'm a little like, eh, you know, and I'm not also, I'm not good. Like I'm great with answering your questions all day long, <laughs> um, but I'm not very good at like you know, people have said, well, why don't you do like a, a vlog or something? And I'm just like, eh. it's just like, I can't be the picture of like, hi, <laughs> we're talk about mental health. It's just not who I am. And I, yeah. I respect people that do it. Um, yeah. and I know lots of women that are capable of that. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. So the best way that I have found for me to get my voice out there is mm -hmm. to either be a guest or create, you know, I've, I've, chaired a lot of panels, uh, live events where I'm the, the, the speaker and I curate panels and get speakers together on different topics. Yeah. So that's the other way, but, but the book writing. <laughs> well, I have my fingers crossed. I have my fingers <laughs> yeah. crossed. No rush. Okay. I'm like, maybe I might have to do two. I might have to do one that's real and then, and, and open. And then one that's like, you know, a, a fictional piece of yeah. work so that I could get really detailed. Yeah, I would love that. Oh my gosh, I'd buy that in a second. In a second. Um, no name one. So if I wanted to, so a lot of the times when I speak to guests, especially ones that have had so many lives in their careers, I like to help explain to the listeners that you have to start somewhere, right? We all are the 18 year old that's listening to this. That's like, what am I supposed to do with my life? How do I figure it out? So if you would honor me with just where were you at like 17 and then how did we kind of propel ourselves to where we are today? Like how does that story start and then how do we get to where we are in, um, in your 
you know, succinct way or whatever way you think is most compelling or interesting. Cause I always want to know how people got to where they are. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll be happy to share that. Yeah. So, oh goodness. When I was 17, uh, so that would have been like right out of high school. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I was lucky enough to have had two things happen. I worked in the best punk rock clothing store in Southern California called Nana. (laughs) And it was one of the coolest places to work. And I was just, a lot of what um, my lessons throughout my whole career has been, I've been in the right place at the right time. Mm. And I've also been bold enough to ask the question, So if I could give two lessons, it's like watch for synchronicity and be prepared and be bold enough to ask, to be gutsy enough to be like, hey, I'd love to work for you. Right. Or, you know, um, so 17, 18, I got to work at Nana. And then within that same sort of two-year time period, I was going to college part-time. I was studying photography and psychology. Um, And I also, a little bit before that, was working for a booking agent. Um, And what a booking agent did is that we booked shows around Southern California and it was all these great artists. I was really involved in music super early and same thing. I sort of fell into that, but then rose to the occasion. So my job was to um, pass out flyers all around town and the day of the show, um, make sure that the artist was taken care of. And then I did the VIP guest list. And I was doing that at 18 on the Sunset Strip in 19, just to put it in perspective, that was 1986 when I graduated high school. You do have stories. You have so many stories. I have so many stories. So a couple of years later, you know, um, during this great, fabulous time of this duality of things happening. So during this great, fabulous time that I was having, I was also drinking a lot and experimenting with drugs. So, you know, I, I have this duality throughout my career. Um, then I, I moved to New York when I was 21. I basically just, I went there on a vacation and I just was like, I got to get out of where I am. And I pulled a ge- what they call a geographic and I, Moved to New York uh, City in 1989. I was 21. Um, I think that's right, 21. Um, and I just moved there sort of, I, uh, you know, opportunity and asking the question and going for it. As my friend had a place, she's like, do you want to live here? I said, yes. And I flew to New York and, and I, I was working before that for Clinique Cosmetics too. Uh, so I also like always had sort of a side thing that was steady, you know, so selling makeup, once you got into selling makeup, you could do that for a long time. So I, I moved to New York knowing that like I could get a job there doing that. But then I, I, um, through connections, this is another really important thing is I like to say this and you can quote me on this. This is really important. It's not who, you know, it's who knows you. And so as you're going and building your career and your life and you treat everybody kindly and you, and you build these authentic connections, it's not like, oh, I know so-and-so. It's that that person be like, oh, I know Rinda. She's great. She did this. Or, you know, so building authentic connections. And um, so I ended up landing a job at a, at a record company in 1989 was my first record company job. Oh, my gosh. Whew. 
records were flying off the shelves then. They were like, really? <laughs> Actually, people were buying records. That's Wow. Well, yeah, so I, I got to work in the music business all throughout the 90s. So my repertoire of who I've gotten to work with is pretty, I'm, I'm so, again, really blessed and humbled that I was in the right place at the right time because yeah. I were, got to work with like almost every great 90s artist that you can think of. I had some sort of semblance of connection with them in some way. Um, and again, um, the duality of having this great life, but also having... Um, you know, turning to alcohol and drugs at first, just, just because they were there. And, but also during that time period, really about a coping mechanism of not really understanding what I was going through or how to feel right or insecurities, you know, emotions. And, and so that was sort of like, it became my coping mechanism. Um, and, but I will fast forward and say that in 1992, I got sober um, and I have been clean and sober since July 10th, 1992. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Wow. Woo. So, I mean, I got, yeah, I got sober uh, shortly after my 24th birthday. Wow. So from 18 to 24, yeah, I could write a book just about that. <laughs> I mean, that's so inspiring. There's, I mean, I, I didn't grow up here. I've, I've lived out here for 10 in Los Angeles for 10 years. And I, I've always been too afraid of drugs to be honest. So it was never something that I experienced firsthand, but I certainly have seen friends and family of friends, you know, deal with it. And for you to be at that young of an age to have made that decision and changed your life like that it alone for whatever change anyone wants to see in themselves. Um, yeah. That's incredible. It, it's really, it's super possible. I, and I also want to say it doesn't have to change your life either. Like, what was really special about when I got sober is I ended up um, hanging out with a lot of bands and musicians at that time in the early nineties that were also getting sober. Mm. And so I was able to keep my music career going through that whole time by making sure that I built a solid foundation of pe like-minded people. And I would say that with anything, even if drugs and alcohol aren't your, your that's not your issue, but if you're going through anything like bonding with people that are in the same frequency of wellness or like-minded people is really important because, you know, you are the equivalent of your friends and who you hang out with. So you definitely want to. <laughs> so I had to make some switches, but I still was able to stay in the music industry and follow my passion during that time. Wow. Yeah. So. That was good. It's crazy to think about the music business in the 90s. Because in the 90s, I was like a tween teen. Uh -huh. So I was like, I bought every magazine that NSYNC was a part of or Britney Spears. I also had like my Blink-182 albums. So I was like, a teenager in the 90s loved everything. Like we were so eclectic in what we liked and what, because there was just, it was everywhere. And there was so much of it. Um, I can't imagine sitting in those meetings because I've, I've, worked, I've worked in music as well and worked at a label. And, you know, like once I got to those meetings, I was like, oh, this is what it's like. But in the 90s, it just like, because I was so young, it just has this glitter. I mean, that was covered in glitter in the 90s as well. But it just has this like glitter and allure of like, that was when the music industry was so forward thinking and there was so much happening and people were buying albums and I would stand outside record stores 
the, at midnight to buy it. <laughs> and you would meet other fans and you would, you know, call Ticketmaster and hope that you got through to buy a ticket to the concert. And it just holds such a magical, you know, perspective for me because of my, my age and what music was right. at that time. Like TRL was like my life. I had to see what was going on on MTV and watch all the videos. And I'm just, I would love, if, even if you just wrote something about that period of working in music, I find that so fascinating. And it's just cool to see what you've, you know, like what you've done post, like that you've created this company. And I don't know, there's just so much. I wish that we could talk for six hours, but I know that Aww, we can't. I, I love your enthusiasm. That makes me so happy. I am very blessed to have lived through that time period and worked yeah. in that time period in the 90s. I'm really blessed. And I did management and A&R was uh -huh. the, where I lived. So I was uh -huh. going out every night and seeing bands before they broke. Yeah. Um, and scouting talent. And that's why I can't hear you very well today. Oh. <laughs> I have a little bit of hearing loss from it. But um, yeah, it was really pretty incredible. And um, I definitely really am, am thankful that I, I had that career. And, and what I would say, again, is um, there's a something about pivoting, too. So like, I ended up working in that field all throughout the 90s and then in the late 90s I was sort of burned out from that lifestyle um, and I ended up moving into and I got a job at the kids division of Sony Music and I ended up working in the kids division for eight years and I I like produced a, a Sesame Street box set. Oh my god! <laughs> I know, and I like got to like um, work on the Muppets from Space soundtrack. So it was so great because I got to like work with Sesame Street and Elmo, and then over here, but I still had my rock life, you know, yeah. it was really, like crazy. And then it all accumulated what, um, in this one time um, where I had an idea to do a, a kids record with David Bowie. And so I basically, again, opportunity synchronicity and and just going for it yeah I emailed or at back then I faxed I faxed David Bowie's manager my boss was like go for it kid you know do it and I I, I faxed David Bowie's manager like hey I have this idea for a kid's record this is what we do and again I did my homework I knew what I was sort of talking about but I took the chance yeah and I and I reached out and they called me like a day later and they were like hey um, that's weird. Um, you got, we got your facts like the day after David Bowie was here. He didn't say David Bowie. Was, we got a, um, your facts a day after David was here and, and he wanted mentioned a kid's record. So <laughs> come meet with us. And so I'm like, of course, no, I don't want to meet with David Bowie. So anyway, I ended up having this incredible, uh, creative meeting with David Bowie and his team, which like I still pitch myself all the time that that actually happened. Yeah. I was like bantering with David Bowie. And <laughs> the one of the beautiful things, because I've brought this story up uh, that I always try and say, just as a human, he was so amazing. Like halfway during the meeting, being a, the only woman in the room and being a young creative, um, he never made me feel like, you know, you're the only... He didn't make me feel any different. In fact, he made me feel more special that I was in the room and had the creative idea. And at one point he said like, hey, Rinda, I didn't mean to take over your meeting. What are your creative ideas? Wow. Like, 
to have someone that, ooh, I got chills, have someone <laughs> that iconic treat you with such respect. Like it can happen out there, ladies. Hi, everyone. Want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Best Fiends. This is my me time game. This is my little escape. It is on my phone and it is lots of fun. Now, let me tell you all about it. So if you need a break now and then, but you want to keep your brain sort of active, but you want to relax, Best Fiends is an oasis of fun that you can take everywhere. It's got thousands of fun challenges and tons of cute characters. I can't emphasize the cute characters enough. And my strategy is collecting all these little characters and evolving them so they get stronger, so they help me beat levels faster. I find myself playing everywhere, but I think the strangest place is probably on random benches in parks while my dog plays. And the best thing is it doesn't require internet. So if we find ourselves in an area and Moon is chasing squirrels and I pop open my game, I always can play regardless of my service. It's got unique puzzles, it's unlike other games out there, and they also have monthly updates with new levels, events, so it never gets old. And there's always new monthly themed challenges. I love the themes. I love when they get updated. Keeps it exciting, keeps it cute. And Best Fiends has thousands of levels already with new levels, events, and characters added every month. It's hours of fun right at your fingertips, and you can even play offline. So if you've seen me at a park bench playing on my phone, I'm probably playing Best Fiends. With over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews, Best Fiends is a must-play. Download Best Fiends for free in the Apple App Store or a Google Play Store. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Okay, check out the game, enjoy. But for now, let's get back to our conversation. How did, in terms of like that creative brain that you, you know, you've worked that muscle for years and years and years for other people, uh-huh. and now you're working it for yourself. So when did it become like, all right, I've learned all these things and now I'm going to create my own something. Like when did that transition happen? Um, good question. So I, I still do work for a handful of other people, mm-hmm. helping them create their dream. I mean, I call myself a catalyst where I turn ideas into reality. Nice. Um, so I do still have a handful of other projects. Um, basically, if you fast forward during that whole fabulous life we talked about, I was still a behind the scenes struggling with depression. Oh. Um, and at some point I went on medication and was trying to figure out how to balance my moods. And like, I have the type of depression that you couldn't really see it because I didn't let you see it. So um, I would be, again, having, you know, doing my career or whatever, and then I'd sort of, like, hit a wall and go home and, like, not want to talk to people. And I had what I call apathetic depression. Um, And medication helped for a while. And when I started doing, I started just being curious and st- and trying really to like figure out what it was that made my brain not work like normal, quote unquote normal, and why certain medications worked, why certain medications didn't work for me. Um, I started learning a lot about antidepressants and the serotonin and all the different things and then food and all these different biochemical modalities. Mm. And so I went on this journey literally for like 10 years of like trying to like reading on devouring all these books and stuff. And about four year, five years ago, I decided to get off medication using all this knowledge that I had. Yeah. Um, and so I did that. And I, 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 I will say, you know, the 
medication can be life-saving, but I was just at a point where I wanted to get off it and I knew that it wasn't working anymore. Mm -hmm. So I used all these different, I changed my eating habits. I did a lot of uh, testing. I understood that for me, that probably my dopamine was the one that was really low. And my, and, um, I got all these other things tested that I, I learned about like thyroid and all these other things, vitamins. And I changed my diet. I changed my lifestyle, um, because I was still doing all these other things like, you know, yoga and 12 step programs and some therapy and all that. But I still was not it, it felt physical to me mm. at, at that point after doing all the other stuff. And so I got off medication and I did it through all these herbs. And so I decided I wanted to bring this back to people who needed it because there's a lot of information out there, but what we don't know is that there are a lot of like solutions that are all natural solutions. Mm -hmm. And so I came up with this idea and, um, you know, launched this brand. I got um, someone, a, a couple people believed in me and gave me some money to launch the company. And then I started on this journey of my own. And let me tell you, it is really hard to launch your own thing mm. because you're second guessing yourself more often than when you're advising someone else. Mm. Um, and so I launched, it's very every day is the name and it's VRY. And of course now I'd be like, should I use that name? Because everybody's like, how do you say it? Is it fry? Is it very? What does that mean? But anyway, it's called Very Everyday, V-R-Y. And um, I launched with five formulas, the five formulas that people told me they needed the most help with, um, short of the two depression types, um, sad depression and apathetic depression, um, anxiety, uh, sleep disorders. Um, and so my five formulas are the basics. They, they're the beginnings of my bigger vision for this, um, to address those five things. Um, and I launched in 2018 and then I went for it and I worked on it for two years straight, wow. um, as a solo entrepreneur. And I did podcasts and I managed everything from the website build to the social media. Like I literally did everything myself for two years. Wow. Uh, and then in the last year, I got a little burned out. So I'm now looking for some, some business partners to help take <laughs> it to the next level and grow it. Um, and I have a vision for it that I hope, you know, I can bring into fruition for people. We're here now, but here's where I want to go. And here's where I see the need. And that's, I mean, that's probably the hardest part. And you have that all figured out. Yes and no. I'm really good at the bigger vision, but I'm not, I'm not, I need someone to come in and be like, here's the quarterly projections and like I really need someone who knows numbers and figures to be in because I'm in a solo person and and yeah talking about that talking out loud how this company started is I was I met someone at a Grammy party through a friend of mine and he had a house out in in the Joshua Tree area and he was coming out to visit I was like hey my friend over in this other area is having a party let's go okay cool I've known him for like two months and we all went, we all went to this party. And for some weird reason, I mentioned this supplement line I wanted to start and that I had had a vision for it, but I didn't have the numbers and stuff like that. I don't even know why I mentioned it. And he was like, well, send it to me. And so I sent him the proposal or the, my plan, which wasn't complete at all. And he's like, how much, you know, how much money do you get to need to get to market? And I was like, ah, probably this much. He's like, I'll give you the money to get to market. Let's see what happens. 
And that's how it happens. <laughs> that's amazing. And then when he decided to come in, another friend of mine who had, I've been talking about this project with for two years, I was like, hey, so-and-so wants to um, invest. He's like, I told you I'd invest. Let me, he's going to get you to market. I'll pay your basically salary for six months. Let's get wow. this going. So it's, really, yeah, that's crazy. And by, and by the way, it's never too late. I launched this company at 49 years old. Oh yeah. There's no timeline. You just so, go for stuff. For Absolutely. Your, your younger listeners, like yeah, for sure. I, if I, I hear, that's the one thing I, I notice is I hear a lot of like younger kids being like, if I don't, if I'm not like 30 under 30, I might as well. I'm like, no. Mm -mm. And also that stuff is such a politics game. All those lists of being those things and whatever, like, I don't know there. I think it's, as you get older, you realize how, you know, things matter less and less and less. I would so much rather someone say, Sarah had a lot of passion at her job rather than, oh, Sarah got this award. You know, like you want to be, I, I want to be remembered for being excited and enthusiastic. And that's what's gotten me through my entire life, essentially, <laughs> is just being excited about stuff. Um, I would much rather have that than having, you know, a link to put in my Twitter bio to kind of flex a little. And then the next year, they're just going to put 30 more people on that list. Your, yesterday, your last year's news, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like... I'd rather, you know, if I can, if someone can say to you, like, you know what? I got a great night's sleep because of your supplements. Like, that's so much better. I have had those direct messages that I get with Barry sometimes. Um, last year, I had a woman who messaged me that said her daughter was taking uh, Serenity, which is like an all-natural. Some of my uh, customers call it nature Xanax. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, I can't call it that, but that's what they call it. Um, she messaged me and said that her daughter was in high school. She had anxiety. She didn't want to go on medication. She found my product somewhere and she's been taking Serenity and now she can go to cheerleading practice. She takes it before and she's fine. Mm -hmm. Like something in it just makes her feel better because her GABA was just, clearly her GABA's, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. But, and the fact that it changed her to be able to go to cheerleading practice, like I was like, that kept me going for another year. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so people that have said that with, you know, um, pink cloud and depression, I have a friend of mine who was with me throughout this whole process of developing this product. Um, he's uh, in recovery and he, his doc, he was having a hard time. His doctor wanted to put him on medication. He was kind of didn't, you know, want to go there. Um, his sponsor actually was like, Hey, you should be taking fish oils and, and, you know, to feed your brain. And then I put this concoction together for him. There are these combos of supplements together for him. And he started taking those and it changed him. And that's ended up what became pink cloud. Wow. And now he's like, Pink Cloud basically is like a life changer for him and he takes it and he's been taking it for the whole two years, but it, I kind of developed it with, you know, yeah. him and, it, and that one is sort of like, it, it works on the serotonin, which is, uh, works differently, uh, than an SSRI. I don't know if you know about SSRIs actually block the uptake of serotonin. Yeah. So it leaves more in your brain, but eventually your body kind of goes like stops making more of it. So you really need to 
actually make more of the serotonin, not just block it. I had a brief relationship with antidepressants. Brief, very brief. Um, yeah. And my doctor, and it's funny too, because my doctor was saying all those words to me in the, the room and I was just so low. I was just not in a good place that she could have been saying fairy dust. Like what I just wasn't really hearing what she was saying. So I actually went back and taught my read back about all that stuff because when she was explaining it to me, it was just like, uh, I was like Eeyore. It just wasn't. Of course. Yeah. So any educational tools, I mean, that's, we all need them because I had to go back and like, okay, what did she say? And yeah, what are the, what's the difference between serotonin and dopamine and GABA? I mean, that was part of our talk a little bit for the 320 Fest. I addressed that and I do in privatize. I definitely need to get it out there so people can access it. Um, and also a lot of times they'll put you on a serotonin uptake, but you really, at the Eeyore depression, more like, uh, is, is actually more of a gab, uh, more of a dopamine thing usually. Mm. Um, so serotonin stuff didn't really work on me. Now what I do is I take a balance of all three. Mm. So I take, um, do my dopamine in the morning, which works on the dopamine levels. Um, I then, then I take pink cloud in the afternoon that supports my serotonin and then I take uh, Serenity at night to make sure that I have the GABA, especially during all this. I just think that I call it the power trio. <laughs> and those are the most balancing of, you know, and there's no reason not for me. I just take all, all three of them every day for a while and yeah. that balances that all out. The other thing about sleep that people don't know is, yeah, I made a sleep formula, but ultimately um, if you don't have enough serotonin, you, that can also cause sleep issues. Oh, because serotonin um, converts to melatonin in your body and that's what helps you sleep. So if you're um, not, if you're not creating enough serotonin in the first place, yeah. you're not getting that melatonin conversion. And you know, that's one of the sleep issues. Yeah. So, so um, on my website, I have a, a like a, the insomnia no more duo because it's like, it's got pink clouds so that you're building up that serotonin and then you take the rest well to sleep, but eventually the idea is that you shouldn't need the rest well. Oh, see? And what's the website? Where can people go to, to learn about all of this? Very, V-R-Y, veryeveryday.com. So. Do you want to play a brief game? Very I'll play games. Okay, so this game is called Overshare. And because we're on video, you can, can see we just play it well, a little bit, but, um, I got a bag here and it's got just like random questions. Some are very silly. Some are more thoughtful and I'm going to pull one out and you and I both have to overshare on the question. So I'm going to pull, okay. pull on your behalf. See what we get here. Oh, okay. So this question is, what do you think of staycations? Do you know what a staycation is? Yes. Okay. So what do you, so for those who may not know, a staycation is where you vacation in the city that you live in. So you act like you're a tourist in your city. Um, are you a fan of a staycation? Do you staycation much or like, how do you feel? Well, I live, I live in Joshua Tree. Yeah. So I staycation all the time <laughs> and usually staycation a lot with visitors. Ah. Um, so yeah, I've gotten really good at the staycation in Joshua Tree. What are um, like the hot spots? Because I've I've actually oh this is bad. I've never been to Joshua Tree. I've driven past it, but I've never been. 
Well, you may come out and visit and when, when it, when things have <laughs> Blown lifted over. a little bit, we're encouraging people to, to not come out right now because right. we're a small community and we don't want to bring sure. anything into the community. Um, they had to shut the park so that, um, yeah, but the Joshua tree national park, incredible, um, lots of, um, people don't know this. We have a, a vibrant artist community here. We have a second Saturdays, uh, again, all this is shut down right now, but right. we have second Saturdays in Joshua tree where all these art galleries down in the little tiny mini downtown area are open and do, um, events. Uh, we have amazing art tours that happen every October and usually in the spring twice a year that it's like 200 artists that you drive around and see all their, uh, uh, their stuff. It's really incredible. It's called art, art tours, um, highway 62 art tours. Uh, of course there's, uh, Pappy and Harriet's over in pioneer town. That is like this little, um, uh, barbecue joint venue that was, you know, became very big and famous and uh, bigger artists started to play there. And in fact, a couple years ago, Paul McCartney did a show there, um, that people love Pappy and Harriet's, uh, the park itself is incredible. There's a lot of really great vintage shops in Yucca town. Mm. I mean, um, in Yucca Valley, uh, in the old town area of Yucca Valley. Um, some of them carry my products. Uh, oh. the end is one of them and Funkin' and darn near new is really cool. Desert omens. Cool. Yeah. There's a great community here of artists and creatives and, um, it's really great. I staycation all the time, but mostly just because people come visit and they're like, Hey, we're in town. Show us. And this all, uh, the sun alley shops down the way. And like the, the world's smallest crochet museum. Like we, the, the beauty bubble, uh, here has got like, it's like a working beauty salon, but you go in and there's stuff everywhere, uh, related to beauty. It's like this mini museum. Like our, our town is incredible. <laughs> And how long have you lived there? Uh, I moved here in 2016. Okay. Uh, I came out here to house sit uh, a friend's recording studio in 2015 and just fell in love with it and sort of was like, what happens if I leave Los Angeles, which is like in the middle of the, what I call the, you know, the, in the middle of the insanity and the noise, yep. I would escape to Joshua Tree after I lived here for six weeks. I thought, what if I live in the calm and go into the insanity uh -huh. when I need to, instead of the other way around? And luckily, you know, I was able to do that with the, with the career I had. And then I think that's also, uh, I also got off medication during that time and did that uh -huh. whole transition and then started the company here. Yeah, timing. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, that was a lot of uh, oversharing for no, my No, but skin. that's the game. You're great at it. <laughs> that's that's what it is. Um, we always end with giving advice. Are you comfortable with giving advice? Of course. So someone's so we get um, they're at random. It's not like it's a question specifically for you. They're just listener questions and the idea is that the segment is called asking for a friend. So we're going to give or you're going to give your best advice as if this was your friend asking you this question. So in essence, this week's question is asking about how to deal with the transitions. Like, you know, you have seasons of your life. Like you just mentioned, you know, you moved and that was a transition season for you. So like what, I guess a lot of us are in a transition right now. It's probably where this question 
was inspired by. But how do you not fi- like fight against transitions and how do you accept transitions? Do you have any advice for someone that's sort of struggling with that? Or um, do you have any experience with, with that sort of thing? Oh, how to deal with transitions. Uh, I've had so many in my life. I can't even like transitions and pivots and reinventing myself Mm -hmm. from music business to, you know, kids business to tech to wellness. Uh, So transitions are, (laughs) yes. That's your thing. I know how to, I know how to do that. Um, So a couple things. One is I literally say to myself, what's the worst that can happen? And then I follow that path down. This is kind of a cognitive therapy behavior thing that I learned. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Okay, I could lose my job. What then what? Or, oh, it could fail. But then what? And then what? And then what? Like, I keep going with what's the worst that can happen. And at the end of that, I always say to myself two things. One is nobody is going to let me go homeless or hungry. Right. I will always be taken care of for my basic needs. There's no one in my family, my life, my friends that's going to let me go homeless or hungry. And the second thing is I really, truly believe that the universe will provide. And so with those two knowledges, you go from a a point of fear Mm. to a, a a form of faith. Yeah. A form of security, a form of confidence. Transitions feel scary and fearful and you don't know what's going to happen and blah, blah, blah. And so if I, if I follow that through, through the worst things that can happen, and then I go to this position of no one's going to let me go homeless or hungry and the universe will provide, the rest is just the rest. And you just hold tight and hang on. Yeah. That's, I'm thinking about my own life and that's, I'm going to take that. <laughs> I didn't even realize that I was in a transition, and I certainly am, um, based on what how you just explained all of that. So, yes, I will take that advice, as well as our listener. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, we're in transitions all the time, you know. And, yes, look, this is so, for some people, this time period is so difficult. Yeah. Um, and for others, you know, they're thriving through it in a different way. For some people, it's like, oh, I'm getting to have some time with myself. Other people are have this financial insecurity. And then, you know, I've had to turn off a lot of the noise because our, our country and the people and everything that's going on out there, it's like I literally had to turn a lot of that off and just be as knowledgeable as I can. Right. Um, so... But I know, again, at the end of the day, that no one's going to let me go homeless or hungry and that the universe will provide, even if the government doesn't. (laughs) That's a whole other podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye.